There we go. Can you hear me there now? We there go. we go. Oh, my God. <laughs> Rookie on the machine. Okay. Um, where's our technical director today? <laughs> That'd be me. That, oh. uh, you know, and uh, so thanks for being patient with us. We're, I'm still learning this whole process, so thank you very much. Uh, also today, I have got my friend Jamie Good. Jamie, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you fine all the way out here in Connecticut. All right. Well, welcome to the show, Talking Dog. Well, um, Jamie, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit something about yourself, a little short bio on what you do and how you do it. Sure, sure. Well, I, I grew up, my parents were uh, dog breeders of Samoyeds, a wonderful breed. Um, I worked out in California with you, Gardner, at a, uh, at a dog daycare facility where we had 50 dogs approximately off-leash every day that we kept under control and happy. Never a dull moment. Yeah, absolutely. And since then, I've worked, uh, the majority of my training has been with uh, pet containment systems. So I have probably worked with four or 5,000 dogs by now, keeping them safe and keeping myself safe as well. Right. Well, I got to tell you, when I was working at the dog daycare uh, facility, the, one of the best days of the, uh, working there was the day you walked in and applied for the job. Oh, thank you very much. I, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, it really meant a lot to me, and we developed a great friendship and learned a lot about dogs working there. Uh, and you're right, working with 60 dogs at a time is uh, it's an education in itself. Absolutely, yeah, that, that was invaluable. You really learn a lot about how to act yourself as much as anything else. Right. Yeah, one of the biggest things that I learned uh, working there was seeing behavior as it develops and being able to interject and uh, keep everything safe. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for me, it was it was how much my posture, my attitude, my expression, and my tension in my body can influence an entire pack of dogs, how much they pay attention to those little subtle cues. Excellent. You know, that's a great point. And maybe we'll get into some more of that uh uh, as we go forward. But uh, today, uh, Dave's going to be working the question uh, that we received. And uh, uh, Jamie, are you ready to go? I'm ready. All right, let's take a question. Actually, this came up when uh, when we started looking for a dog. What breed, you we just talked about, you know, temperament. What breed um, is actually probably one of the best tempered? And then maybe on the flip side, you know, is there such a thing? I know there's debate around this. But is there such a thing as a, as a dog that maybe is not so well-tempered? I like well, labs. Yeah. I'm a lab guy. I really like labs a lot. Uh, you, know, you know, I think you create the mellow dog um, when you mold and shape it. Uh, my mentor called them speed bumps. Speed bumps are dogs that lay in the driveway, uh, keep, <laughs> keep, dogs from, uh, for, keep cars from driving fast in your driveway. What do you think, Jamie? What do you got? Well, you know, the more I work with, with, you know, many, many, many dogs, the more I find it's individual rather than breed specific. But, but that being said, even among labs, um, you have English labs, which are generally these sort of stubby couch potatoes. And there are also American labs, which are generally bred more for hunting. And they're a skinnier, taller breed in general um, and much, much, much more energetic. So if I was going for a lab, I would generally choose an English lab for a mellower breed. Right. Yeah. And out of all the other breeds, there are some things that if you're just looking for a greater edge of, of, of luck in terms of being an easy pet, um, I got to say that I wouldn't necessarily recommend German Shepherds for a first time dog owner who's looking for an easy dog to, to train and, and live with. 
Yeah, you know. And that, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you know, one of the dogs that really comes off as being a, a vicious animal would be the Doberman Pinscher. But uh, my experience has been that these dogs are incredibly mellow and really nice dogs. They just have this uh, set of armor that makes them look like they're going to rip your throat out. But they're oh, very, absolutely. very, very nice dogs. Uh, Great Danes are real sweethearts. Uh, yep. I find Big that the, uh, I know you like them, these dogs as well, but the English Mastiff is one of the, uh, one of my favorites. If you can, if you have a house to hold a Mastiff, uh, it's a nice thing. Dave, why don't we go for another question? Well, I'm going I'm to do a follow-up to what we were just talking about, and I think it's, it, it ties into the overall theme of, um, of behavior. And I think the question is, really, are we, uh, when we talk about behavior, are we talking about exclusively the dog, or is there a bit of training going on with the owner as well? I mean, I, I think based on what you said last week and what we're kind of getting at here, it, it, there's a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when we mold and shape a dog, when we bring it home, yeah, absolutely. If we're going to let the dog continually make trouble and be out of control, test us, then, yeah, we're going to have a not-so-nice, friendly, relaxed dog. But if we're able to mold and shape that dog, create structure, uh, discipline, uh, and mold and shape this dog to be mellow, yes, of course, socialize it properly. Uh, one thing about socialization is socialization is not just letting the dog go and figuring it out for himself in, in a group of dogs. Socialization is uh, guiding the dog through decisions that, uh, that it's trying to make, guiding it through make, making successful decisions. All right, Dave, should we move on? Uh, we should, and I'm going to... Actually, I'm going to stick with the behavior question as we pull up our, our, our master list, but um, I think the point I was trying to make earlier, there's a bit of training of the dog, but there's also... What we're getting at here is there's also a training of the owner, correct? I mean, the, the dog is going to reflect what the owner's temperament to a very large degree. Is that fair? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, there is a lot, though, you know, as, as the years go by, there's a lot of nature in the dog as well as nurture. But the nurture is, is at least at least 60% of, of what you're going to get out of the dog, more so. Yeah, and there are more but, breeds where the nature, well, the nature of canine behavior is to always, to boost itself. So when we, when we are nurturing, the, the, the nature is always going to try to override the nurturing, you know. So we, we have to get past that point. Uh, there's some dogs that are just constantly going to ch uh, stress and, uh, and try to ch achieve that uh, higher rank. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some things that are, are somewhat counterintuitive with dogs. Um, if you're used to working with children, for example, who understand English and understand when you say it's okay you're describing something over there rather than you i like your behavior at the moment yeah um and that kind of surprised people when you when for example i often will meet a, a client and a dog and the dog growls and obviously the client doesn't want the dog to growl so they pet it and say it's okay now if it was a child you would the dog would the child would understand you're saying this person here is okay but often the dog just thinks you've pet him and told him he's a good boy for growling at a stranger. <laughs> right. And once you once you've once you've articulated that, they they go, oh, now I understand that, and that 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 behavior changes right away. Right. Praising unwanted behavior. It's it's a deep pit of despair. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to a question that's coming. My dog is digging in the backyard and uh, ruining it. How do I get him to stop him or her to stop? And um, do I create? maybe a special spot 
for the dog to dig. I know I got an opinion on this, but uh, Jamie, yeah, what do you think? What do you think? What's your take? Gosh, I would I would be doing a lot uh, as much exercise as possible, other toys to distract them. But that's a tough one. I defer to you, Gardner. Well, boredom is a huge thing that happens in the backyard. I think making you know I hear about people. Well, I put I made a corner of the yard where the dog can dig, but how are you going to know that the dog's going to stay in that area? Uh, here's here's the trick. You take poop, you take the own dog's poop, and you put it in the hole and you bury it. Uh, and you fill up the hole, and the dog pretty much will stop digging in that spot. So every time you find a new hole, put a, put a load in there and uh, cover it back up, and it, you'll find pretty quickly that the dog will stop. Uh, if you really want him to dig, take him to the beach. He can dig all he wants. Um, and put him in, you know, praise the behavior when he digs somewhere outside of your yard. But another case of you're going to correct the behavior you don't want and making it smell like a toilet that he's digging his paws into is going to, is going to not be so nice to him. That's, that's genius, Gardner. Um, <laughs> unless you. your dog also has coprophagia where they like to eat poop. Right, exactly. In, in which case you've created a treasure hunt. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, every yeah. day is a, a new day in the backyard <laughs> if you're a poop eater. Yeah. <laughs> but... That's an excellent try, and it, it is okay, in, in my opinion, to to express your displeasure if you catch a dog in the act when he begins to dig. If you have him on a leash, to give him a, a leash correction and distract him and 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 do something more fun. But yeah. boredom will provoke that certainly. And we talked about this a little bit last week. Catching the dog in the act, uh, you're catching a predator off guard, and when we do that, it sends a message to the car core part of the brain on a predator is like don't put yourself in this position you've been caught off guard and that usually means bad things in the wild so i actually have a follow-up i'm, I'm going to try that out gardner because we have a couple holes yeah. in the garden the, the challenge is what the dog is digging after is it's the drip system that's buried just below the surface mm-hmm. and he hears it when it comes on and it's hissing and making you know interesting noises so he's chasing something yes and so we're, yeah, oh. and so we're gonna i'm gonna try that i got some holes to fill right now yeah good well let us know how that goes please i will speaking of filling a hole let's move on to our next question all right <laughs> <laughs> let's go all right my dog is constantly begging for food uh whenever i eat in front of him how do i stop this Jamie, what happens when you beg at the table? Um, you mean as a child with my parents? <laughs> well, whenever. <laughs> uh, just joking. Uh, what do you think, Jamie? I, well, the one thing is never feed the dog people food, ever. Yeah, and, and, and Gardner is, 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 I would say, a, a better trainer, first of all. I, I am a lot more liberal. Um, I don't mind, personally, if my dog is looking at me while I eat. He can look or she can look with longing. I don't mind that. I don't like getting poked by the, with a nose or a, uh, or a paw. And the word no in a deep voice with me has, has resonated with her. She understands what that means. Right. Um, other commands that you work at before you are sitting at the table, like sit or lie down, is that's, that's what you want your dog to do. So begging, if you don't like it, lie down. Yeah. And enforce that. But, you know, also, if you've got three kids at the table and they're, you know, sneaking something under the table and even and even just dropping the food on the floor, that can also create uh, 
create issues like this. Well, you know what? We're at, we're at a 20 minute break here and um, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Uh, Jamie, thanks for being here and uh, we'll yep. have uh, 20 more minutes of, uh, of talk after this. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for listening to KSBY 91.3, the Valley's own nonprofit, all-volunteer hosted radio station that brings you the kind of unique programming you're listening to right now. We are here for you, and in turn, we're asking for your support. KSBY is on the air because of contributions from individuals like you and the organizations you hear sponsoring our shows. So please, won't you go to KSBY.org, click on that Donate button, and help us reach our goal of raising $30,000 by year's end? That's KSBY.org. Thanks a bunch. Welcome back. Uh, quick break. Let me turn up everybody's mic. All right. Jamie, are you with us? Yep. Can you hear me? All right. Excellent. excellent. Uh, Dave, remind us what we were talking about right before uh, we left. I think we were talking about filling in holes with dog poop. Wasn't that <laughs> That's what it was? That's always a yes. Well, uh, and then uh, oh, we were also mentioning the uh, begging at the table. Ah, right. that, you're right. Begging we had at moved the table. On. Yeah. We had moved on. And I'm as guilty as everybody. I'll sneak my dog a little taste of chicken every once in a while. I mean, I got to admit it. But, yeah. Um, she also doesn't poke me or knock stuff over, jump on the table or use her paw. So she just stares at me. And I don't mind that. Um, a trick with clients I, I, I often use when they have a puppy or a dog who's doing behavior in the house that they don't like Um have the dog trail a light, short leash around the house. And that way, if the dog jumps on the table or is, or is doing something inappropriate, you can always, you have a handle on the dog to, to get a hold of it and tell him no with a leash correction. Right. Without that leash, if your uh, golden retriever puts two paws on the table, you basically have to wrap your arms around his neck and pull him down, which most golden retrievers enjoy. So that leash can really make a, a big difference. Right. I call them drag lines. It's a, uh, you know, it's a four to five foot long line that they drag. It doesn't have a loop for your hand on the end, but it allows you to grip, grip physical control of the dog very quickly. You can always step on it, too, to keep the dog from, you know, advancing in the behavior that they're doing. What yeah, I absolutely. like. Absolutely. And people say that it, it's been a miracle just to have that difference between a dog wearing a leash in the house or a drag line and not having it on. So right. It's a big deal. There's another tool you can use also, which is a crate. Uh, you know, have the dog in with you, but have the dog in the crate while you're eating. It's important as a kind of establishing your leadership and dominance and pack order by eating in front of the lower pack members. Remember, wolves, when they bring back the food, the alpha and the female, uh, female, uh, male and female, they eat first. They get the best part of the deer. They get best part of everything. And the lower ranking members get leftovers and what's left. Uh, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm pretty cold hearted because I don't get, I don't get sucked into those, uh, baby eyes and weepy look. Uh, <laughs> I just, you know, I just don't do it. Um, but I understand, you know, it's hard. It's hard looking into those, those eyes and feeling guilty because, uh, being manipulated by those eyes. What are they called? I don't, I don't even, what, what's that look that they give you? Longing. <laughs> Puppy eyes. Puppy oh. eyes, right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, like with most behaviors, um, it's, it's does your dog conform to what you want? So I don't mind my dog staring at me, but I certainly have the ability to keep her from jumping on the table or, or annoying me. If she were a dominant with her food, for example, or ever growled regarding food, then that would be an entirely different story about how I would handle my food and dinner. Right. But because she's 
a very sweet dog who's not annoying uh, one little tiny piece of chicken every once in a while when Gardner's not looking. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, it is it is a hard thing to do. It's hard to be cold hearted and, you know, say no all the time, but be consistent with it. If it's a problem you don't like, there are solutions. Keep them contained. Uh, be consistent. Uh, and um, yeah. So I just follow up on two things, uh, two comments you've you've both made. One is uh, you've referred to lease leash correction a couple times. What What would that look like, sound like, feel like? Well, rather than, say, restraining a dog with a leash while he's trying to, say, jump up on someone, I like to have a bow in the leash with no tension on it and give him a little snap of the leash that startles the dog. And some dogs with a very, very subtle little snap of the leash, they'll, they'll, it'll startle them just a little bit and they'll pay attention. Some dogs that are less sensitive at the neck don't care until you do it really quite strongly. So if if my dog is jumping up on a guest, rather than slowly pulling him back while he's still trying to jump up on the guest, I do a snap of the leash, and that that is a leash correction, which is best if somebody shows you exactly what they mean by it, I, I would I would presume. Yeah, it's a pop. You know, pop snap yeah. is a really good description too. And you know, you're doing it as more again, you're surprising the dog with if you if your dog is forging and, and is pulling on the leash, you can't you can't make that correction uh but using your voice, the pop and uh and being consistent with that is going to be crucial. And, you know, it's my, you, you know, with whatever correction you are going to use on your personal or your dog, it, the first correction should be its most motivational. Because, you know, no, no, no. If you keep repeating the command, it just becomes meaningless. So you have to give meaning to any correction that you give, whether that's withholding of, uh, withholding of praise, withholding of food, um, that kind of thing. So what you're saying no turns into, or no, 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 turns into blah, 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 blah. Right. Correct. I like the no to be associated with that physical action as well. And and it's also, you know, when, when, when the dog doesn't, when a dog doesn't really comply to known and expected behavior, it's basically saying F you make me. Um, And however you get that, you know, the, the relationship you're building, however you do that is, is up to you. And every dog, has a different sensitivity to how much correction in terms of that, that leash, leash correction is necessary. Um, I always start assuming that a dog is really quite sensitive. I think a trainer maybe that Gardner I had worked with said it's like correction sort of like salt and soup. It's, you can always add more. It's harder to, to take it back. Right. And, you, you know, you're, we're not trying to frighten an animal by any means. No. And, or injure the dog. I mean, there are lots of, course, of tools, yes. you know, the, the headgear, the tack that a dog wears is a personal decision that everybody has to make. Um, and the dog, as I like to say, the dog dictates the type of training and the type of tools that you use. And tools, just something really quickly on tools also, any tool can damage you or somebody else if used improperly. So that's something really important to remember. Yeah, that's true. Maybe we, we can get into tools uh, thematically maybe in a future episode. Yes. Because, But I'm, I mean... The, I like the, uh, what you call it, drag line. I like that. The, yeah. you know, the leash following them around the house. 
Uh, oh, that's absolutely huge. As long as your dog doesn't like to eat it like a piece of spaghetti. And that's <laughs> that's only appropriate when you're in the house with the dog. You should never trail a leash right. even soak if you it, went outside for five minutes. Soak it in bitter apple or a, a light uh, Tabasco solution. Just let it soak there for a while, and that should take care of the problem. So clearly both of you read ahead because the next question that's come up is, uh, my young puppy chews on its leash all the time. He's chewed through several. This is a problem. Mm. How right. do I stop it? I think you just answered that. Right? Yeah, it's really the best way. It's a you know it's a fairly passive way of of discouraging. But then again, catching the dog off guard. Uh, you know, if you can catch that dog in the act of actually doing it and clapping your hands and saying no in a loud voice right there, you're taking that dog back um, and hitting that core part of the brain um, of don't put yourself in that position to get get caught. All right. Um, Something I've done with the, with the leash chewing, and I and with hundreds of times with clients, we're out there and the dog is worrying the leash, and I always ask for permission because I'm generally not there to work on that specifically. Is every single time the dog wants to put it in his mouth, pull the leash straight up in the air mm. from that moment forward forever. Right, and it, that's a position if you are using a collar, which I recommend, where the dog really can't get access to the leash, and you do it sort of like a leash correction, straight up every single time your dog puts its mouth on the leash. Um, and that generally works over, uh, over a very short period of time. Yeah. Um, I had a sweet Samoyed growing up who carried the leash in her mouth for 12 years, and it didn't bother us at all. But right. you know what bothers you in terms of that behavior. Chewing through the leash, obviously, is not cool. Well, that brings up a good, be uh, good point. Is You can make any behavior acceptable by giving it a command. I would train the dogs in my care to, uh, let's say I'm walking, this is about street walking down the street, is like I would have them hold the leash in their mouth while we were walking, giving it a job, giving it a command, and it was cute. You know, it made, her look, made the dog look really <laughs> cute, and people would say, oh, what a nice dog. But it was also a job I gave to the dog while it was with me. Uh, and, the, uh, you know, it goes back to the trick is in the training. The training is what allows you to do these type of things. So, yeah. <laughs> you just hit something, though. It's fascinating. The, actually assigning, I'll say, inappropriate behavior to a command, to a degree, controls the behavior. Our daughter has taught the dog to jump up with the <laughs> command bird. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's neat. And she's the only one that can, can do it, but it controls the behavior. Right. Yeah. I teach every dog in my care to jump up and give me a hug on command. Okay. So, you know, I, I love having a dog jump up, put its paws on my chest, and we give a little hug. But I don't want it to do it when it's wet and muddy out. So I do it on a command, and, and they know the difference. Um, before I forget, because I'm, 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 I am going to forget, there was, Jamie, there was one other comment you made. I'm rewinding a bit, but this is, this is mm -hmm. around behavior. You mentioned uh, a dog vocalizing or even growling around food. That that happens around other things. Maybe you're trying to move the dog and it doesn't want to move. Um, how do you, is I mean is growling always an unacceptable level, or are they just telling you wait? You know, in some cases, I'm I'm not comfortable with that. It hurts. I mean, where? Well, now you know we're 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 getting into the personal safety with dog area, which is kind of a tough thing to give advice you know, without knowing the dog or seeing exactly what it is. But what I'm thinking of is like possessive of food. Um, if the dog has a bone under the coffee table, for example, and you were to go for it and it growled at you in a way that is pretty obvious to us. We, we speak the same language in, in certain regards, 
that when a dog is growling aggressively, wanting to keep its bone, for example, as tolerant as I am as about a dog, you know, licking or jumping up, that behavior is something that is really quite dangerous and it's, it should be addressed in my opinion. Yeah, there is um, nothing ever friendly or playful about a growl, ever. Yeah. It's completely unacceptable every single time and it should be corrected. Um, you know, Jamie, you bring up a good point. Uh, you sent me an article a couple days ago about this dog that's being uh, trying to be rehomed in Connecticut, is it? That, and one of the problems that it has, uh, guarding food, that, uh, resource guarding, that's basically the technical term of what we're talking about when they're growling around food. You want Correct. To, you want to give a kind of a summary of what's going on with that dog? Well, someone reached out. I guess it was a uh, an abandoned German Shepherd, a young dog, and it went through police training. And I don't know what provoked it to fail out, but it's a large female German Shepherd that's been in a in a, uh, a shelter for over a year. It's reactive with food or uh, uh, protective of food reactive with other dogs and strangers and do i know anybody that someone had said that do i know and know anybody who would love this wonderful german shepherd and i mean just red flags all over the place just in terms of our safety yeah um and you know growling it would be different how i would handle it if i had a, a four-month uh labrador retriever puppy or an 80 pound full-grown german shepherd um the problem is that that with that kind of behavior, they can be really, really quite dangerous. And yeah. so that is professional help immediately. If you have a dog that can harm you, that is doing that kind of behavior. And that, frankly, that's not a dog I would recommend to virtually anybody, unless it were a police academy trainer, for example. Right. And didn't this dog go through uh, some canine work, some Schutzen work, and then it just, it, again, I failed don't know out what or... would make it fail out if someone had invested all of that. And I think it's a, a narcotics dog, which could come in handy. Um, and also it, uh, it apprehending criminal dog or something like that. So... Not what I'm going to recommend to the Joneses down the street. Yeah, I think I remember. It's it's just an untrustworthy dog. You know, it's highly trained, very good with a a personal handler, someone who's got experience with it. But when it's around other people, uh, the uh, unsoundness of the dog comes through by, you know, being unpredictable. I think that's a good word for this dog. It's very unpredictable. And they're trying well, to find... I, kind of, I looked into it last night. I, 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 I may be getting the term wrong. It's idiopathic um, aggression. And that, that, if I understand it correctly, is, is not provoked by a specific thing. Right. Random. And those are the dogs that are actually um, dangerous for me because there's no real um, warning signs. There's no indication that that aggression is going to manifest. Have you run into that with your, uh, uh, containment training? Um, rarely. I mean, just three times out of, out of thousands, um, where I've told the client, wow, um, I didn't see that coming. This dog concerns me a little bit. Maybe you want to look into it. Um, I've only been bitten two or three times and it, and it's just always been a dog like that. Just happy, 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 bite, happy, happy, happy. And, and that's, that's a tough one. Very dangerous, very dangerous, yeah, especially absolutely. around children and older uh, people, uh, mature people is what I should say. Uh, 
Boy, and- but but thankfully that's rare. And what most people will will have happen, and this is this happened with my little dog Ladybug when I rescued her. After a month or so, she had a bone, and I went to get it from her, and she growled at me. And I put her on a leash, gave her the bone again, gave her a big leash correction, and she flopped over, and said, "It's your bone." And we just practiced that, and and that was the end of that. Almost a lot of dogs will test you once in their life with that sort of behavior, and you definitely want to win that argument right away. Yeah, and that could be a real surprise and, you know, not getting that correction dealt with or that that behavior really quickly on time and and delivered in the correct way. What however you want to do that, it's it's a problem that can escalate very quickly. And I put her on a leash so I could do it in a way that's safe for me. Yeah. Um so you're not reaching under the 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 living room table in order to deal with it. You have a leash on a dog so you can give that correction and most dogs will will get the the message very very quickly so let's let's think about what a good owner for a canine trained dog that's resource guarding and uh, only good for one person i'm thinking uh, alaskan hermit something yeah. around that <laughs> so uh, an angry alaskan hermit yeah, yeah. I, I think there are plenty of those actually so uh, <laughs> maybe we oh, should I, wait the calls from alaska are lighting up the board right <laughs> no. now girl. Uh, well you know hey it takes all kinds and uh it might be the best thing for the dog but you know what if you can't find a home like this it's going to deteriorate in a kennel setting and um my you know my mentors were like if you have an unsound dog you cannot give away a biter it's just you cannot do it and you're you're saving that child or that person down the road of experiencing a dog bite Dog bites are incredibly emotional, and they can hit your self-esteem in a way that nothing else can. All right. Uh, let's yeah. move. Oh, did you have, Jamie, do you have something else to add? Or? No, no, no. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly with what Gardner was saying. All right, we're going we're gonna to lighten it up a little bit. I mean, that's a Please. serious, a serious <laughs> topic. I'm sure we'll explore it again. Uh, it's an important one, obviously, as anybody who's looking to, to bring a dog into their home. Um, but this one has to do with noise. So my puppy whines and yelps when I leave the house. And uh, the, 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 uh, the listener is concerned that the neighbors are going to complain. Um, she puts him in a crate, but still he or she, the dog, realizes that, you know, the owner's missing. How, how do we address this behavior? All right, you know what? we got to take a break. I know it's a big pain in the butt, but we have sponsors here and... Uh, <laughs> Time's going quickly. So let's pick this up after the break. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to KSBY 91.3 Sonoma. Hey, thanks for listening to KSBY 91.3, the Valley's own nonprofit, all volunteer hosted radio station that brings you the kind of unique programming you're listening to right now. We are here for you, and in turn, we're asking for your support. KSVY is on the air because of contributions from individuals like you and the organizations you hear sponsoring our shows. So please, won't you go to KSVY.org, click on that donate button and help us reach our goal of raising $30,000 by year's end. That's KSVY.org. Thanks a bunch. All right, we're back. Jamie, are you with us? I am with you. All right, excellent. And the power's still on. (laughs) And I don't smell any smoke, so we're in good shape. Um, yeah, the yipping, whiny dog that's going to get you kicked out of your apartment. What are you going to do? That, that is a tough one. Um, 
the more of a routine you have, the less anxiety your dog is going to have. Yep. And sometimes we can't help that, but often if people work from home, it's harder for a dog than if you have a regimented work schedule. Yes. Because when you work from home, sometimes you like to go out at 10, sometimes at 9, sometimes you go shopping, sometimes you don't. But when you work and you come home at noon every day, the dog should conform to your, your schedule. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's steps you can do before you leave, obviously. Um, exercise. You can't talk enough about exercise. Bring the dog out and wear them out 100%. Get them to the point where they're begging to come home and begging to be left alone inside of a crate. And then, so when you get home, uh, put them right into the crate, warm, ta- uh, take off. You never put a dog in a crate with their tack on. Take the collar off. It's very important. Um, so you put your dog in the crate. I like putting peanut butter in a Kong, putting that into the crate, and draping a sheet, not a towel. Sheets breathe and towels don't, so you create a darker environment. And, uh, and then you withdraw. You basically cut yourself off and then and head out. Now, if I know the dog's possibly going to yip and is new at this or bark, I'm going to wait outside the door, just outside the door, So that when it does start to bark, I'm going to run in, clap my hands, and say no in a very motivational way. And then I'm going to leave again. And then by doing this, you're going to really uh, help the dog be able to relax, feel comfortable, and that sort of thing. How does that sound, Jamie? Do you do anything differently? Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Absolutely. Now... um in the area of no two trainers agreeing on anything, and this is a controversial thing, if it is a choice between you having to give up a dog and potentially bring it to a shelter, I have had success um, in, with clients who have used bark collars. Absolutely. And it's a collar that would give the dog a vibration if it barks and a stronger vibration if it continues. When, when the dog stops barking, it resets itself to zero. Now, that's not something I would put on a dog and just walk out the door, but if it's a choice between potentially having your landlord make you give up a dog and none of the other things are working, that's something, a tool that, that I would personally try. Absolutely. Uh, you know, this is a great, this is, uh, we were talking about nuisance barking last week, and what we didn't get into the personal dog who's barking. And you're right, e-collars are really, really uh motivational tools they're excellent tools uh there's the uh, shock collar and then the vibration uh, and then Mm -hmm. there's also the citronella collar i've seen the citronella collar work um it's very effective but what happens i don't want a heavy citronella is a heavy molecule and i don't want that around my dog's respiratory system um yeah i I, i'm not a fan of it because also it doesn't seem to stop once the behavior stopped uh, if you've been sprayed with citronella you're still sprayed with citronella after you've stopped barking right it's still on you right and it clogs you know that people it clogs and then people give up uh yeah i was uh talking with um a uh service dog trainer and for a very well-known national service dog organization and she uh put it this way it's the most humane fastest most humane way to stop nuisance barking is with an e-collar uh, it takes all the emotion out of it. The timing is, is is impeccable, and it takes all the emotion out of you having to say, no, stop barking 400 million times and have to be your timing so critical on that correction um, that it just takes care of itself. 
And generally, that's not something that the dog would have to wear for the next nine years. It no. will learn not to bark. No. And then you don't need the, that collar can be put in the, in the closet. And if it ever becomes an issue again, you can use it once again. Exactly. And what's important, what, there are a couple of them there. You know, with any, with any big you know, purchase, it's not a huge purchase, but you don't buy the most expensive. You don't buy the least expensive. You buy the middle-of-the-road product. Uh, and there are ones out there that will actually count the times of, uh, that the dog is barked. You can come home and see how many times this, the dog is barked while you're away. One thing to remember with any kind of e-collar or any collar in general is uh, put the, well, with the e-collar especially, put the collar on for two days before you actually turn it on. You don't want the dog uh, to become collar smart and know when the collar's on and when, oh, when the collar's off. Uh, Gardner, have you ever put one on and tried barking? I have. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we don't want to hear that story. <laughs> it was when I was younger, and the and the girl just wasn't right for me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's um, a different show. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> that happens on Saturday night here at KSBY. No, I'm joking. Uh, it, yeah, it's definitely motivational for you to stop barking. Um, uh, and it worked for me. I really stopped yelling at my wife uh, very quickly. <laughs> Yeah, I've tried it as well, and and I know when I work with an e-collar what I want it to feel like when I'm beginning, so I, I generally always want to take one for the team, so I'm sure there's not some malfunction, and right. it's not that. Right. Yeah. There, and I'm going to weigh in on this. There's another type of collar that I we actually bought, um, and it emits a noise. It's a frequency, so it's interestingly, it may go back to the heart of the citronella, and you pointed out something that never occurred to me before. Because when it sprays, it makes noise, but the citronella is still there. What right. this collar has done is actually just evolved to the point of making noise. So there's no shock, there's no vibration, there's no spraying. It's just this, you know, this. The frequency is right, I guess, that the dog doesn't like it, and uh, and it stops. Yeah, it's and probably, it's um, well, it's automatic when your dog barks. It it creates that that frequency. It creates, I mean, I can hear it, so it's not just at an auto, you know, dog right, right. range. But, yeah, it just creates enough where it's like, I think what you've touched on before, it's that sh shock, not electrical shock of, oh, my gosh, what's happening? I didn't expect that. Maybe I better not do that again. Yeah, you know, the noise... Um, the noise is like sandpaper on the brain. You know, you just don't want to do mm -hmm. it. And that's what... Uh, <clears throat> Um, just lost my train of thought, so we'll, that'll come back in a second. That was sandpaper on the brain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what did it. Yeah, that's what uh, does it. Yeah, I've had a lot yeah. of that going on. <laughs> uh, but that's great. I mean, if you had a collar that could start with the frequency and or have that option, and then the option of of the stimulation correction as well, that'd be awesome. But if that works for your dog, that that's fantastic. A whole population of dog handlers are the the hunting world, and they use e collars. Um, it, and you know they there there's a lot of I've never trained with one but I've seen it in action and um they're doing vibrations and tones as well and uh it's it's fascinating to watch a real hunter real uh, bird hunter real dog handler um with experience in the hunting world and dog dog hunting is it's really fascinating to watch it's it's as if you have a hundred yard Hundred yard long line, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I uh, just uh, but in the wrong hands, like almost anything, that could be tremendously cruel. Right. Exactly. Uh, someone could come home, see a poop on the floor, and hit the button, and that obviously is horrendous and not something that yeah. anybody would ever do. Yep. Yep. Um, 
just to kind of wrap up, tie a bow on this, uh, anyone who's looking for a caller, I'm sure they've already thought about this, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it anyway. There's some uh, pet uh, websites that you can go up to, commerce sites, I would suggest. Um, and then there's the, the big dog, no pun intended. But any of them where you go up and, and research the callers, you get read the comments, re, get look at the star ratings, uh, read about the product. But the comments are, are a crucial piece because you'll, you'll get a good perspective of, of what people think about how well the caller works or doesn't work. So good good resource. Yes, and Absolutely. my wife also, you know, whenever she's reading reviews, she goes right to the negative reviews. And that's a really, you know, whether it's a hotel room, a hotel or whatever, and that's, it's a really good point. Find out, you know, that everybody, you know, a good recommendation is great, but you want to know why somebody didn't like something. Yeah, good point, Dave. Um, all right, let's move on. I, uh, I think we might have touched on this a little bit last week, but uh, it, it's, it's always going to be, I think, an issue for some people and, and some dogs. It's when I have guests, the, they come over. Uh, the dog is, is barking and jumping, and it's embarrassing. Uh, I'm afraid that they won't come over anymore. What, what do I do? What do you think, Jamie? What happens when you be, I misbehave in front of the, your own? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I, I think, once again, that um, the leash that the dog or the trail line that the dog wears in the house. So I, I do this um, just as an exercise for clients for fun while I'm there. If I come and the dog's jumping and they, they mention they don't like their dog jumping, I have them put the dog on a leash, and I say, I'm going to come in the door again. I want I show them what a leash correction is. I want you to do that when I come in. And they do that until the, the dog should sit or stop jumping fairly quickly with the right leash correction. And then I go out again and come in three or four times. And by the fifth time I hit the doorbell and come in, if they're doing the leash correction correctly, the dog is sitting there looking at its owner. And then I come in, and we're happy. You need a volunteer who's willing to do that a number of times. Yes, uh, that is, you know, that's an appropriate routine and uh, exercise. Uh, again, you can use a, well, one thing is take the dog out of the mix. If you've got a party going on, you've got 14 people coming in uh, different times every five minutes, let's say, take the dog out, put it in a court, quiet part of the house. If, you, if it's crate trained as it should, put it in the crate and take it out of the mix. It's just going to save yourself a whole lot of stress and a whole lot of, uh, um, pain and suffering. Uh, you know, uh, you can also, if you, uh, I use a tie down, which is a chew proof tether that attaches to a wall or a piece of heavy piece of furniture. And you can have the dog on the tie down in the hallway, but it can't make any decisions for itself. And it's a way of having the dog in the space without having to control anything. It can't insert itself. It's really to, you know, if you if you've got guests coming over and you, you know, it's, it can be, uh, correcting your dog in front of people is, is something that is a problem because you get embarrassed, you get, you know, it just, you don't want to be that person or, you know, have to have to be that leader at that particular time. So what you're actually doing is you're training the dog. You're making that behavior acceptable by not correcting it. And it's only going to get worse. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. It's really hard to bring yourself to correct a dog when a bunch of people are in the room. You right. You look like the bad guy. Right. Um, but if I knew that uh, you or Dave were coming over at 3 p.m. at 2.55, I can put the leash or the trailing line on the dog. Yes. Most most often you're not surprised by a guest. And I know you guys are both good sports, so I'd have you come in, in, the, house, in the house three or four times, and then we would hang out with that leash trailing. So and you know, with, a bark I could correct, a jump I could correct at the right 
Yeah, and if your guests come over every single time and the dog is jumping up and being a pain in the butt, uh, they're going to stop coming over. And they're not going to tell you why. They're just going to slowly fade away because, you know, once again, nobody wants to hear criticism about their dogs or their children. Those are two things that can really get in the way of uh, your relationships with your friends. And, you know, it's, no one's going to tell you. No, you know, it's, it's a good friend who might tell you, but even good friends, uh, you're just going to, you know, you're going to drift away. It's going to become a wedge in your friendship. Okay, we've got time for, I think, one more. Well, okay. One of the questions, though, I think this is the same answer. How do you stop your dog from licking people? It sounds like that trailing line is is the answer to that one as well. It's probably not that the stopping them from digging answer, but uh, the trailing line answer is the one. Yeah, you know, if dog's licking me, I don't want to be licked. You know, toilet paper on my skin and face is just not something I want. <laughs> so if a dog is coming into my critical distance and licking me, uh, I'm gonna kind of bop it in the nose. I'm going to make it uncomfortable for the dog. And, you know, I'm not going to full on hit it, but I'm going to make it uncomfortable. I'm just, you know, if he's crossing my, he's being rude by putting his mouth on me. Uh, I don't want him, I don't want him doing that. And one more quick thing is the lick bone, not necessarily all licks, but the lick bone and the bite bone are right next to each other in the brain. Okay. So if you have a, if you have a dominant difficult dog that's licking you that is there's nothing ever friendly or playful or affectionate about that he's basically testing you and tasting you okay <laughs> so so now um, i i personally don't mind getting licked by dogs and after thousands of dogs i must have the immunity of like a, a turkey vulture by now that <laughs> no amount of dogs did <laughs> could impact me at all but um, if I felt it was uh, tasting me for future biting, that would be a different thing. But I don't mind getting a kiss. Yeah, the next time you're walking with a difficult dog on your leash and he reaches over and kind of nuzzles, you know, pushes you with its muzzle and, uh, you know, kind of puts his tongue on you and licks you at the same time, that's what I consider a bite. And that's completely unacceptable to me. I'm not going to let that continue at all. I, uh, so you don't bend over and make little baby noises so they can lick your your, no. your face. When I come, <laughs> when I want to make contact, face-to-face contact with a dog, I grab it by the side of the head and I bring my <laughs> cheek in and I nuzzle with my cheek against its cheek and I say, good dog, good dog. And, you know, there's no licking. We don't have to lick. We just have to, you know, make that contact in a way that means something. Uh, Gardner, it looks like the uh, the the phone board is lighting up right now. Uh, <laughs> we may have to carry this on to another episode. Because um, w- one of the next questions, which I, th- I hope you haven't already answered, is what brand of snacks do you recommend? But uh, I think... Chanel number no. five. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and so, on a serious note, uh, just any sense from either one of you guys, um, you know, how... how What's a dog's memory like? Is it does it do they do they forget or if you teach them something do they remember it forever or any sense of that? Well, towards that, um, I, I deal with a lot of dogs that are sort of mystery dogs that that we're not sure the background of, and and I train for um, the the pet containment very very gently in a fun way. But I'll get a dog, and we start with the collar just emitting a little tone. And it doesn't act naturally. It, it whips around or fear comes. And I ask the owner, have you ever used an electronic device on this dog before? And they go, oh, yes, yeah, six years ago, but we only tried it once. And I can tell immediately if it's ever had a bad experience. Um, and it could be six, seven years later. How do you work through that? 
Well, then it becomes comfort training, um, more showing the dog where it's fun and less um, showing it where it sucks, um, getting over whatever trauma that they've done by trying to train a dog incorrectly. Yeah. Um, and so the comfort training works. If the dog has a great time in four or five spots out in the yard, they gradually loosen up. But it's much, much harder for me if somebody has uh, scared a dog by doing it incorrectly. And, and they never, in my experience, they never forget that. So right. I don't know about other things, but their memory for a bad experience of, a, of an electronic collar done wrong is something they'll carry throughout their life. And that's what we, we, just before we wrap it up, it's, it goes back to misusing of a tool can hurt you and it can hurt the dog. Yeah. So really be careful about that. Well, Jamie, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Will you come back and join us again? I'll be happy to Gardner. And thanks, Dave. That, that was fun. All right. Well, thanks again, Dave. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks, KSVY 91.3. We'll see you next week. Oh, no, no, two weeks. I'll be away next week. Happy thanks. Thanksgiving, Happy everybody. Thanksgiving, everybody. And uh, we will uh, see you in a couple weeks. Thanks a lot. Oh, thank you.